Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Ego Chow Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski and on today's episode uh, we're getting right back into things uh, after a two-week break and um, you know not really paying attention to Call of Duty esports as as closely as we have in the past. Uh, we're back. We're back to talk about the Pro-Am Classic which happened uh, a little like a week and a half ago. And uh, we also have the first week of the major three qualifiers uh, to talk about as well. But before we do any of that, how are you doing, Bank? I'm doing all right. Um, you know, like you said, had some Call of Duty action we haven't actually talked about. So yep. excited to go over that as best we can. And, you know, looking forward for the, you know, in my eyes, at least the real second half of the season coming up. Yeah, you were uh, in the Dominican this weekend, right? Or this past week? I was week? in Florida. Florida oh, okay. for this weekend. All right. It didn't look like you got any sun, though. So Nope. All right. Bink's not... Even when he goes to Florida, he still is not going outside. So that's that's unfortunate. I was outside. I just don't tan. All right. That's... We got to work on that. Um <laughs> Let's talk about the roster changes stuff uh, before we get into the matches. Um, so... The most recent roster news comes out of the Los Angeles Gorillas. Um, they haven't been having like a, a real good time since they won the second major of the Call of Duty League season. And uh, they've decided to make a roster change. Um, this was a, a change that we had talked about on uh, past shows about what uh, the, the Gorillas might do if Gunless, uh, you know, recovered and he was fully ready to go. Uh, and they had Spartan the lineup. Uh, now we have our answer. Gunless is back in the LAG starting lineup, and Spart is back to the bench. Um, obviously, if you remember, uh, Spart uh, subbed in for Gunless for the last week of the Major 2 qualifiers, and then at the second Major as well. And um, LAG ended up winning the second Major, uh, an incredible run through the loser's bracket, uh, mostly due to an incredible search and destroy run. Um, but they've had a, a kind of a tough go, uh, at least at the pro classic. And in the first week of the major three qualifiers and gunless, who is uh, now uh, fortunately recovered, he's ready to go. Uh, he's back in the starting lineup. Uh, what do you think about that bank? Yeah, I, this makes sense from multiple perspectives in my eyes. Um, Although when we were talking, you know, after the second major, it felt like a very difficult decision and one that could dictate what the other teams do in terms of like roster changes. But um, not, now that, you know, Gunless is recovered and stuff, he's just such a high caliber player. I feel like you have to get him back in there. And especially due to, you know, some meta changes that are, might necessarily be not in LED's control in terms of like the Volk being GA'd um, that that could affect things there and I, I don't want to say like just because the Volk isn't in use that's why Spartan's no longer playing but um, obviously you know this this past week uh, LED went 0-2 in their qualifiers and uh, they had an 6 map count so uh, you know they didn't they, they lost their two searches which obviously you know teams are going to lose searches but um it's noteworthy considering LAG's previous success and their streak in that mode in particular. So, yeah, th this from a timing perspective, if Gunless is 
fully healthy and with recent struggles, however you want to categorize them for the team, I, I think it makes sense that he is being reinserted into the lineup. I agree with you. I think it makes a lot of sense to put Gunless back there. Uh, I think it would be a different story if they were 6-0 and in map count and they did well at the Prom Classic. I think that decision would be a lot harder uh, yep. for the Gorillas. Um, but with the way that they've played, and you know, I don't, I'm not really factoring the Pro-Am Classic into a lot of like how I view uh, the current shape of the CDL because that event is... It is it's odd because you have four extra teams. It's a, a single elimination bracket. You're in you know a, a smaller group, um, so you know it's a it's a lot different format than what the the entire CDL has been doing to this point in the season. So I'm not really factoring in the Pro M Classic results as much as you know these uh, these qualifying matches. Even if um, the qualifying matches are online, which you know we know that that it causes some variance and you know it's not as predictable because it's online um that being said i think that this is the right move uh i i hate when players uh, are replaced um you know on a permanent basis or whatever because of injury in traditional sports uh, is is what i'm talking about but uh, in esports as well you know i don't want to see gunless lose his spot uh even if spart is doing very well um, and I also thought that this was a, a very real possibility that LAG would kind of come back down to earth after that major because I don't think it was that sustainable for them to continue to win like 80% of their search and destroys and, you know, win all of those series while while doing that in search and destroy and then not, you know, be good in the other, in the other game modes. Like you can't win like 50 55 percent or even or lower i think maybe in hard point or control or something they were uh under a 50 percent win percentage at the major with spart i don't think that's sustainable like that makes it very difficult to win matches when you're just you know relying on snds because you have to force game five pretty much every time at that point and uh you know like i said that's just not sustainable so i'm not really surprised to see lag make this move um because i'm not really surprised that LAG are, you know, uh, I'm not saying bad, but just like they're not the best team in the game, in my opinion. Um, but uh, we also had another roster change. This is seemingly more of a temporary one, but uh, Pro Loot, who has been um, a really good Challengers player, won the North American uh, Challengers Finals last season, uh, and he's won several Challengers events uh, throughout his time. Uh, since the challengers um, began, he is subbing in for Illy, who uh, you know we didn't talk about it because we didn't do a you know a post show for the pro am. But Illy tried to play uh, at the pro am classic. Um, original or initially, General, who is uh, who was at the time um, Optic Texas's only substitute. He was going to sub in for Illy because Illy has a, a thumb injury or, you know, some kind of infection, I think, uh, is what, it, uh, but it's causing some issues. And obviously in Call of Duty, especially uh, with the controllers and everything, having a thumb issue is like one of the worst things um, for, for a Call of Duty player. It, it would make their lives a lot harder. So uh, initially, General was going to play that entire tournament for Optic. 
Uh, Italy decided to go ahead and play uh, to start the tournament, but I believe after their first match, which they won, he decided to uh, back out because um, he was uh, it was causing some uh, pain in his thumb. So General came back in. Uh, they actually had a very good run. I believe they got like third, fourth at the Prime Classic. So a very respectable run from them, especially with the circumstances. But after the tournament, uh, Optic announced that Illy was not going to be able uh, to play for a little bit um, in the qualifying matches, which are much more important than Pro-Am because they count toward the CDL points and uh, toward you know seeding for not only these next two majors uh, or this major, but also because of champs, which is the most important thing in all of these teams' minds. Uh, so they decided that Illy would be uh, benched for the time being uh, while he recovers and Pro Loot would come in. Um, I'm not sure how much you know about Pro Loot. Uh, I mean, I don't know him personally or anything, but uh, personally, just like I respect how much he's been able to to do in challengers because that's a like it's it's tough for everybody in challengers. A, a lot of online play, not a lot of like um, you know, not a way out for some of those guys because Pro Loot and guys like Mohawk have been grinding for years in challengers and they they haven't really gotten this opportunity so what do you think about pro loot coming in to optic texas's roster yeah i think um you know first off like like you said i i also don't know too much about him personally or individually i've obviously heard his name uh you know when people are talking about challengers and stuff like that i know he's seen success um but i think that the biggest thing that stuck out to me was that um Optic, Optic posted a video with like Rambo and uh, Hex to announce the uh, change here. And it, it makes sense just from a role standpoint that like general general coming in for Illy just wasn't necessarily the best move from a roles perspective because uh, general almost has always been a main AR. And that's obviously uh, what Dashi is doing now and is most comfortable doing. So um general was kind of being pushed into the flex role you know obviously it was an emergency situation um but that that's just not what he's done throughout his career so from a role standpoint it makes more sense to get prelude in there and um especially i mean again i, I couldn't even tell you if um he's more traditionally a flex in challengers or anything like that but i get from from a role standpoint if he is that makes sense um and even if he's not you know we, we've kind of touched on uh, just due to the maps in uh, in Vanguard, there's there's a lot of maps where you're gonna have three ARs, and there's a lot of maps where, or not a lot of maps, but you know there are some maps in the competitive uh, pool where you're just gonna have to have three ARs, and others where you have to have three subs. So, um, if that's you know something Prolu is able to more comfortably do, it can only benefit Optic in the short term while uh, Illy has to rest up and. Obviously, you know, we're wishing the best for Illy and hoping to see him back soon because he's another, you know, similar to the gunless situation. Uh, Illy's an exciting player to watch, and, you know, it just it sucks when uh, some of the top players in the game aren't able to uh, compete. But obviously, this is a big opportunity for Prolute as well. Um, uh, obviously, coming into it, he knows and everybody knows this isn't a long-term thing. Like, even if he absolutely pops off, He's not like gonna take Illy's starting spot, so um, this is just his opportunity to showcase himself and what he's capable of doing, and he's he's doing it on the 
most popular team with the biggest fan base in Call of Duty. So a lot of eyes are going to be on him. And that's just, you know, as long as he performs well, that that means it could open up more opportunities for him uh, down the road. And I, probably not the rest of this year, but I mean, who knows? I, I guess it could. And even if it doesn't, it still, you know, has more eyes on him moving forward and potentially into next season. Yeah, this is an incredible opportunity for him because, like you said, this is the most popular team in the entire you know scene. You know, and in Call of Duty esports, there is Optic, then there's Phase, and then there's the rest, really, because those are you know Optic has been the most popular team for years and years, and for him to get this opportunity is his pro debut, his CDL debut, and he's playing alongside scump and dashy like that's a that's a big opportunity for him um and also just like we saw it with paul x earlier in the season paul x came into london he was there for one week and he was subbing in and he did his job and they got wins he performed well and you know the very next week he's off to new york or you know two weeks or whatever so he gets that shot with new york and now he's you know kind of excelling in that role with the subliners i think that is a, a real possibility for prolu um obviously a, a team has to take a chance on him and you know you know, pay him really and like get him over to their roster. But, um, you know, at least for the time being, he has an incredible opportunity in front of him and uh, able to grow his fan base, uh, however, you know, many fans are going to follow him. But um, yeah, just a, a great shot for him. I, I touched on Twitter. I, I tweeted about it, about uh, Pro Loot coming into the roster. Um, so Rambo said that it's for the foreseeable short-term future. Um, do the the thumb injury for Illy. Um, but I also tweeted about how like Prolu and Mohawk, especially like these guys that have been grinding away in challengers, like they really deserve that opportunity. And a lot of their a lot of the opportunities that they probably would have gotten have been taken away because of COVID or because of uh, the lack of expansion, which are likely tied together. What we're imagining, right? But like the fact that there have only been 12 teams since the very beginning of the CDL and many of these teams have no substitutes like their substitute is their coach or you know like they're not really they're not spending a lot of money on their teams also the the reduction from 5v5 to 4v4 like that cuts out you know 12 starters and even more uh players that could have possibly been substitutes like you know I'm I'm really happy for Prolu and I hope that you know the guys that are on like the Toronto uh, Ultra Academy NA team, like they proved that they were very capable at the Pro Am Classic, and that they probably deserve uh, CDL spots or maybe even just a substitute spot. Um, so um, you know, at least for Pro Loop, I wish him the best. I hope uh, you know. Obviously, he's already had his first week of matches, and the second week is uh, is really close to starting but um you know really happy for him and i hope that more players can get something like this where they can show at least for a week or two how good they are and how deserving they are to be among the best in the world uh speaking of the program classic though let's talk about it um you know we're not going to spend too much time on it just because you know we got to talk about some of the other things um you know and this event, uh, you know, people were talking about it, like whether this event counts or not. Um, I don't know if you if you saw that on Twitter, but, you know, whether um, New York's title actually 
you know, whether it counts in the sense of like a championship uh, or whatever, because it had amateur teams um, or challengers teams and because there was no like CDL points involved because all of the other events that we have in the CDL, CDL points, uh, which, you know, are based off of wins and placings and dictate the seeds for majors and, uh, and champs at the end of the season. That wasn't a part of this because challengers players, obviously they're, they don't get CDL points. Um, I think of it like, I think it counts obviously because all of the teams were there and, it was on land. There was, a, you know, a relatively, uh, you know, sizable prize pool. I don't see why it wouldn't. I just don't think it's like on the same level as a major because the single elimination factor and the fact that it's kind of like a mid-season break tournament. Uh, it's it's a little bit different. But um, what do you think about it? Like, does it count? You know, like a, a regular tournament win would. Yeah, I, I feel like you have to count, especially if we're counting, like, online home series wins from MW. Like, uh, this certainly is more qualified to count than those, in my opinion. Um, I would have to look at the exact number, but, like, um, New York played three pool play matches, and then they play three matches in the in the uh, bracket. So although it's a single limb bracket, I guess that's an argument against it counting, yeah. um, but that's six matches. So then what did I would have to look at? Well, I, I mean, if LAG didn't LAG play seven in losers. Well, I think they played like one, one, then five in losers. And then grand finals. I'm trying to look it up. Yeah. Um, if if you're comparing that like if you if you compare just like the number of series then like a lot of the events like in like champs last year because uh because like you had the the buys and stuff like those teams in the upper bracket they literally would only have to win like one or two series to get into grand finals like they'd have to win yeah. like i think two to get into grand finals but but they're automatically slotted in like that's a that's a really big advantage and i think like people are you know, people are going to complain no matter what, like that's just kind of how it is. But I think like the single elimination does factor into it, but not as much as like other factors, I think for other tournaments. Yeah. So that's where I was going with it. So like LAG goes on this historic losers bracket run where they lose in the first round of winners bracket just, mm -hmm. and then sweep through the lower bracket and win the grand finals. And that's playing seven matches. Yeah. So that's playing one more match than New York had to play to win the Pro-Am Classic, whereas, you know, you look at a team, I'll just use FaZe, for example, because I know they've done it before. Well, I guess they haven't done it this year, but um, same format as far as I can remember. At least, you know, FaZe wins two matches in winner's bracket, or it would be three matches in winner's bracket to get the grand final. So they could, if they win the grand finals, well, regardless if they win, FaZe played four matches in yeah. major two. So they played two less matches than New York, who won the whole thing. Of the program classic so um i feel like from that perspective you basically have to count this um i guess you know it's tough though like i think the, just... the main thing was people are like do you count this to crim six's total because he's the he's yeah. the most championship wins like so is this like an actual like do we put like number 38 or 37 or 38 do we put that on him 
Yeah, I, I think you do. Because I, I, I mean, you. My thing was you could like break it down, um, for the COVID era, and you could say like, um, I don't know the exact numbers, but you could say like Krim has, uh, thirty-five championships and then two online home series wins or something like that. Um, but that's the like you can't just break it down to say like, um, I mean you could, but it would be weird if you say like Krim has. 30x championships and he has two online championships and one pro classic championship and one major and yada 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 like yeah. it, it would just like kind of defeat the purpose at that point in my eyes so um i think you know i can't think of a solid argument for why the pro wouldn't count like you said it's on land um only thing i guess you can say against it is not the whole elimination but there was pool play um so like if you're not counting the Pro-Am Classic, does that mean, like, some of the MLG tournaments that had the same format not count? I, I don't know. It's a weird argument in my eyes, I guess. Yeah, so I'm looking on Kai Gamepedia, and they have Krim6 listed. So he's number one with 36 wins, and then they put in parentheses three online. So I don't know if that's, like, uh, in addition to the 36 or if that's including uh, like included in the 36 wins. Uh, but... However, you know, the case may be, I think that, like, obviously those home series wins, re you know, regardless of whether they would have been online or on land, like, they weren't inviting all of the teams anyway. Like, I, I think they excluded four teams for each home series event. So, like, I don't I don't know. Like, does it, does it really matter at the end of the day? Like... I think like a, a win is a win. Like you're not counting like two Ks and five Ks from the MLG era, but like the other big events, like if you're getting a trophy or if like it's a, a really popular event, like you're probably gonna get it counted for you, right? Like you know, frag cups like in the in the MW three era, like those count you know, because you know, there weren't a lot of lands back then. So like those big online tournaments they count. Um you know, I think if a lot of pro teams, like I probably would count like UGC Niagara from Black Ops 2, like a lot of pro teams ended up going to that event, even though like it's not a premier event. It's not like a MLG uh, Columbus um, kind of tournament. But I think if you have a lot of good teams go and there's a significant amount of hype and like a certain amount of money involved, then I think we add another title to Crim Six's um, his overall total, and we just uh, call him the goat and go along our way. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Crim Six and the New York Subliners they won. They uh, they had our a pretty surprising run considering this was their first um, event with their new roster. Um, so Kismet, he came into the lineup uh, this time. Uh, so he came in for Neptune who um, has been released by the New York subliners. We'll talk about that, you know, right after we talk about the, the subliners, um, you know, winning the event, but uh, the subliners, they ended up winning the Pro-Am Classic, uh, and they beat the Los Angeles Thieves in the grand finals. Um, so this was not a best of nine. This was a best of five. So subliners, they won 3-1 over the Thieves. Uh, the Thieves, you know, that's a really surprising team to be in the grand finals as well because they looked horrible in the major two qualifiers. They made a little bit of run, uh, made a little bit of a run in... Um, 
in major two, they role swapped and uh, they even kind of struggled in group play. Um, they, they didn't look uh, too hot against the subliners in that first uh, group play match, uh, but they rebounded. They beat uh, the Royal Ravens in team war and um, they made a run. They, they beat uh, Boston optic and then they lost to New York in the grand finals. Um, I guess like how surprising is it to you that the subliners ended up winning this event um, despite having probably pretty limited practice with Kismet and uh, this being their first time playing like in an official capacity with him? It, it certainly was surprising. Like I, I don't think many people would have expected them going into the tournament to win the whole thing or predicted them necessarily, but um, you know, just thinking about it, they're, they're especially once you get into this bracket stage here, which I, I do want to point out, you know, the uh, Toronto NA Academy team, I believe it was, um, they, they had a good showing, definitely the best showing of any of the uh, amateur teams in the uh, program classic, but they, they went two and one in their group and they just lost out in the map count tiebreaker to Paris and Boston. Um, so that was a good performance and obviously eye-opening for uh, potentially, you know, some of those players like Scrappy and uh, Mohawk. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean that, that was cool to see at least from the amateur side of things. But other than that, this entire bracket is just the uh, eight CDL teams. So um, in terms of, as we talked about a while ago with our – um, discussion of the example of could the could Alabama beat the Browns? Um, obviously, there are some major differences between the examples and stuff, but uh, at the end of the day, we see once it comes down to uh, the bracket play here that it's just the eight CDL teams that make it um, to this point. And uh, sure, there was teams playing with new players like New York um, and who is the other one that I can't uh, optic played with a, a sub in for most of the tournament. Yeah. But there's, Oh, I'm dumb because I said eight teams, but obviously there are 12 CDL teams. Yeah. But eight CDL um, teams. Yeah, made The bracket. Yeah. Um, there's another team playing with London. Player, I don't know. I well, London and Minnesota. I was thinking, I was thinking yeah. of havoc, but I, I couldn't think for whatever yeah. reason. Um, but there there are a lot of teams playing with new players at this event, and then you had, you know, situations, like you said, with Optic and Illy in general, and these were coming in with the role change for Kenny and Draza. So, um, although there's that argument behind will it count and whatnot, um, the, this was a tournament where, you know, teams were maybe experimenting a little bit. Um, and even if they weren't intentionally experimenting, it was still an opportunity to... Um, see how some things might work before the official regular season of the CDL kicked off. So um, regardless of all the circumstances, the, the subliners did end up come out and then take it. So uh, congratulations to them. And back to your original point, I, I was kind of surprised to see them uh, at the end of the day. I might have to eventually go back and watch some more of these matches. So um, I know exactly how they did it, but, you know, just looking at their bracket, a, a first-round matchup against Paris kind of feels like that's something that could have benefited them and given them a momentum mm -hmm. uh, boost to try and uh, get through the lower half of the bracket. And it's not like they had to play a phase or an optic, um, regardless of the early situation there. Um, but, they, yeah, 
they they played the team put in front of them and they walk away with a chip whether you count it or not yeah um i think the the smaller groups for each so there are four uh groups of four teams um instead of what we're used to right now where you know the the league is split into two and you have six teams in each group and everybody's playing each other so you have five total matches i think that small like four team group i think that helps some of these teams a lot better because they don't have to play optic they don't have to play phase like they don't have to do that in group play and you know fight for like fight you know there's a possibility that you would have like optic phase thieves and like toronto in your group in like the six team groups Whereas, like, you're not obviously going to have that at the Pro-Am Classic. You're going to have a Challengers team in there. You probably might have, like, a bottom four team in your group. Like, you could have, like, Paris. You could have London or, or you know, London's not a bottom four team. But just for an example, like, uh, London struggled at this event. Like, you could have them in their your group. And then you might have one good team in your group. And uh, personally, I think that benefited uh, some of these teams. Like, I think Paris getting to... Um, getting to the bracket was surprising for me at least because I thought if there was like, if I thought of the eight CDL teams that could make it or, you know, however many, like I didn't think Paris would be one of them. Obviously I thought that maybe London uh, might not make it just because of the roster change or whatever. Uh, same with Minnesota. And I wasn't really sure about New York. Like I was kind of uncertain about how they would perform, but you know, they exceeded expectations. Um, and, uh, I guess Paris did too, even though like I I'm disappointed for the ultra Academy NA guys, because like to lose out on a three-way tiebreaker for first place, like for that spot, that's, that's horrible. Like that's a, like, I think that for the CDL, if they do do a, uh, a 2023 pro-am classic, that's something that has to change. Like the tiebreakers like i would have preferred just like a tiebreaker match you know like a like a best of three or something for uh, between the tied teams just to determine it or play more group play matches because i think um you know for those academy guys just to like get bumped out of the uh, the bracket and the chance to win a championship because of a tie, uh you know a three-way tiebreaker i think that's that's not that's not great for them um, but yeah, that's how, that's how it was. Um, the prime classic, I think is, uh, an interesting idea. I'd love to see it come back. I think it's a good mid season event. It's a lot more interesting to me at least than like an all-star event. There's no reason for me to, you know, tune into an all-star event personally. Uh, but um, a program classic where I get to see some of the better challengers teams and see how they stack up and possibly see future CDL players, um, you know, go against teams. I think that's a, that's a really cool idea. And I, I hope that it comes back next year. Um, let's move on to uh, our next uh, of the matches that, um, you know, that happened the, this past week. So we had the first week of qualifying matches for the third major uh, of the CDL season and, um, you know, if you're just tuning in, you're really not sure how it works. So, um, like I mentioned just a little bit ago, uh, all 12 teams, all 12 CDL teams, they are split into two. So, uh, six teams are in group A, six teams are in group B and, um, you know, these groups, uh, no, what are, what are you talking about? Wait, 
Oh, no, I'm yeah, I'm kind of faded right now. I'm sorry about that. I I uh, yeah, I don't know what I was actually thinking to be honest. They did the, they did the groups last year. Yeah, I think I was reverting back to 2020 uh, one brain, but um, we're rusty. <laughs> yeah, it's been two weeks and we only did one podcast in like a month and a half. So um, yeah, but my bad. Uh, so each team plays uh, five uh, five matches over three weeks. Um, and the top eight teams from, uh, you know, after those five matches are complete, uh, they then move into a major three. They automatically qualify for the winner's bracket. Uh, the bottom four teams, uh, after those five matches, they go into the loser's bracket, which is an obvious disadvantage because if they lose, they're out. Whereas, uh, any of those eight winner's bracket teams, they can, um, lose at least one match like the Los Angeles Gorillas did in major two. And, um, you know, they can still progress through their tournament if they continue to win. Uh, so we had the first week of qualifying matches this week. Um, on Friday, we had the Los Angeles Thieves versus the London Royal Ravens, Optic Texas versus the Los Angeles Gorillas, and the New York Subliners versus the Atlanta Fays. Um, you know, I don't think we really need to go match by match uh, for for a lot of these, just because, like, you know, I would like to not uh, labor on any of these points. But I think the most surprising result of this was, like, personally just the fact that atlanta stomped out new york because new york was coming off of that pro-am classic win atlanta lost in the first round of the winner uh, of the pro-am uh, bracket surprisingly and then atlanta comes out and they they beat new york um and uh you know what do you think like do you think that's a i i know that we're a very pro atlanta phase podcast and um you know we believe in them a lot but did you find that as surprising as i did I, you know, I, I expect Atlanta to beat New York regardless of what happened uh, at the Pro-Am. So um, I'm not necessarily surprised. Again, um, like we were talking about earlier in the show, I didn't actually get to watch these matches because I was at a wedding uh, this past weekend. So I don't know much beyond like the final score and the final stats and whatnot. But yeah, I, I would expect Atlanta to beat New York regardless of that Pro-Am championship. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a close match. It's not like it was a like a, a blowout or anything. Um, but I just think the fact that New York who played so well, like they won all six of their matches at, uh, at the program class, it didn't lose a single match. Uh, I was a little concerned, like, even though I'm not considering like the program classic, like to be the end all be all, like that's like the barometer by which like I'm determining like who is great and who is bad currently. <laughs> but I thought like, all right, maybe, like there is something to it. Maybe New York is a, a, you know, a better team than I thought, like quicker than I thought. I thought maybe, okay, like they're, they're progressing at a faster rate than I, um, than I expected them to. But I think this kind of just like tempered my expectations personally of like, oh, okay. Like the, the teams that, have been good in the CDL probably just will remain good as long as their roster is like relatively stable because like we, we saw it with London, like they kind of struggled because you know, they, they're, they have this new roster and then they get swept by the Los Angeles thieves and the thieves played really well in the pro-am classic and London obviously didn't make the bracket, but um, you know, I think London they're in that spot where, they were 
like before Gizmo left the first time, they were like they were chugging along. They were very good. And even when Paul X came in and Gizmo came back, like they didn't really seem to miss a beat. But I think permanently going from Gizmo to Harry now, I think that could be an issue for them. Like uh, you know, not like he's Harry's bad or anything, but you know, that chemistry is not there anymore. And I think a permanent change probably is gonna be difficult. Um, what do you think about uh London? Um, in their first match uh, without Harry uh, in an official capacity or without Gizmo in an official capacity, they get swept by LAT. Yeah, I mean, without having, I literally haven't seen Harry play at all. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I don't know really what to say about it, but I think, you know, with the limited information uh, I do have, it's just, you know, seems like what you said there that, you know, something could be off with the squad and, chemistry could play a part in that and um you know london was performing well early in the season and now um they i obviously with gizmo's mental health and personal situation like um it's just not something you ideally want to run into as a squad but it's it's about how you deal with that adversity and bounce back so um London's definitely got some talent over there and they could find a way to make it work. It'll just come down to whether they actually end up doing that or not. Uh, in Optic, they uh, they won both of their matches uh, this week um, with Prolute in the roster. Uh, so, I mean, that's a, that's a great start for them, um, at least to the um, to the qualifying matches. Prolute, uh, just going through his stats real quick. Um, so he's, he's kind of just like he's going to have to basically stick this team together, you know, like he has to make sure he doesn't do too poorly where it stands out and he's like, you know, holding them back. But in S and D he was actually, he actually led the team in kills per round with 1.11. His overall KD in S and D was 2.22, which was obviously the highest of any of them. Um, A hard point. Like, I think he's, you know, not going to be, uh, like when you have Shotzi, like you don't want another uh-huh. Shotzi light, you know, you don't want him to be running around the map and, uh, you know, Scump had an incredible, uh, you know, hard point run this week and he was just kind of killing everything that was moving. So I don't think that it was like necessary for him personally to do a ton, um, but I think he fit in really well. Uh, they won both of their matches 3-0. They beat Florida and they beat LAG. Um, so, I mean, that's a, a, an incredible start for uh, Prolute and a very good start for Optic as well. Um, let's talk about uh, – I, I don't really know exactly what we should talk about um, because obviously you don't uh, – like you haven't watched the matches, so it's kind of hard to get an in-depth uh, – you know, result, but let's talk about LAG just uh, real quick, because I know we talked about the spark thing, but, um, like the S like, uh, them going Oh, and six after what was an incredible run at the, the major, they, you know, they win the championship and everything, but to go Oh, and six, like, what do you think is the cause of that? Because they're okay. Like, I can understand a 3-0 to Optic. Optic is very good, even with uh, a stand-in with Prolute. But losing 3-0 to Minnesota, who made a roster change during the break, Minnesota also didn't do particularly well at the Prime Classic. 
uh, Minnesota didn't really look very good, like in the first half of the season, like, what do you think changed from like internally, I guess, from the, the second major where they're just killing everything. They're an incredible S and D team to like going and six in a week and then making this change. I, I really don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things you can point to. You can talk, you can point to the Volk um, being a factor in major two and no longer being a part of the meta due to GA. Um, obviously don't want to, you know, say that's the only reason they won the major or anything like that, because I don't believe that, but it's just something you got to point out. Um, you can also point out that, um, I, I lost what I was going to say. Um, damn. Um, it happens the to the best of us. There's there's the Volk I was going to mention. Um, obviously, you know, um, you can talk about, like, maybe the circumstance of the major, like, just because they were on that loser's bracket run. Um, they could heat up through the bracket there as opposed to just playing these singular matches. Um, so momentum could be a factor. There also, you know, it could be an attitude thing, too, where they, they really were playing with nothing to lose. They going into that major with low expectations. Um, and now you could maybe say like the pressure is on for them to perform. I don't, I don't know. There's just, there's a ton of things and, you know, end of the day, uh, we're not going to know what exactly is going on there, but it's also only you know, not counting the pro-am and this, these are just two matches. Um, so, oh, I do remember now I was going to say it could, it could also just be Vanguard, Vanguard and, and Call of Duty in general is very day to day. Um, and you know, that that could also uh, play some part in it where it's just, you know, hasn't been their day now, but, you know, they had they had their chance and they had their run major. So um not really sure. There's a lot of things you can look at, but um doesn't really matter now. It's, it's in the past at this point, and they're, they're going forward with Gunless. So I'm uh, going to have to see how the squad responds to uh, his return. Uh, let's talk about Paris. Um this is like a recurring theme on our podcast. Uh, this We could just make a segment, Paris is winning champs, yes or no. Uh, I think we're both on the nose right now. Uh, I don't want to speak for you, but uh, I I think I'd have to get you drug tested if you said yes at this point. Um, they went 0-2 this week. Uh, kind of a rough start to the season, or just a rough season in general for Paris at this point. Um when is it time to make another roster change for Paris? Because they uh, they brought in Tom Gravity. Um, they uh, and he ended up playing that. Uh, what was it? The first major to, um, with Paris. So like they ended up making a roster change uh, where it was just one person for major one. So they brought in Gravity for decimate. And then before the start of the uh, major two qualifiers, uh, they released Fellow and brought in Jimbo. And, um, you know, they've obviously been bad, like really bad. Um, I'm, I'm trying to look up their entire schedule. So uh, not including the kickoff classic, they've won four matches. Um, I mean, even if you included the kickoff classic, they won four matches. Uh, so they beat the Seattle surge in the first round of the losers bracket at major one, which was a, a huge win for them. What are you holding up two for? Oh, they're, they're two and 13. 
yeah, I I guess I was looking at the Pro Am Classic. So if you exclude the Pro Am Classic, yeah, they have won two. Um, so they won that Seattle Surge match, was which was really big for them. And then in uh, week three of the major two qualifiers, they beat the Toronto Ultra. Both of those uh, wins were in game five. Um, granted, they have lost quite a few game fives. Um, so I look at it like they lost to Atlanta five, Atlanta phase in the first, uh, match of their season in game five. Uh, they lost to the Minnesota rocker, London Royal Ravens. Um, I think like it's kind of bad luck at some point, like maybe some of those things should have gone their way, but to go two and 13 is really bad. Uh, and I, I saw a temp, um, he kind of seems over it. He's playing really, really well despite their record, um, which, you know, sucks for him. I mean, he, like, his, uh, his, like, tweet when they lost to Seattle said, LOL, GG's, Seattle Surge lost 3-1. And then I saw Tom Gravity's tweet said, got to put the plan in action and trust each other. Stupid mistakes shouldn't be holding us back like this. Got to play how we practice and practice how we play. We're right there, I swear to God. Back to the grind. Um, I think that's nice and all, but like at some point, like this team has to probably change, right? Like, or like, what are you, like, are, like, if they don't make another roster change at this point, like, why, why, like, why are you here is basically like what I'm saying. Like you're, you're two and 13, like you have to at least try to make a run at champs. Like you're not, you well, there's like it's not a draft. You, like you don't get the first overall pick if you end up with the worst record. No. But like, I mean, like what, like what is the point of not trying to go for it at this point? It costs money. I mean, I hate to bring it up, but the guy that bought it, like he paid like reportedly twenty five million dollars or whatever. You know, he paid millions of dollars for this spot. You, you're telling me you can't, you you don't you don't have fifty thousand dollars anywhere to like go get a good challengers player, like maybe a hundred thousand dollars somewhere to get two good challengers players. Like at this point, like if you're not willing to spend the money, sell the team, like that. Like what what what's the point? Like are you are you like does who uh, i forget what his name is like uh mccourt or something like does he really think he's gonna recruit the like the 25 million dollars that he's spending by fielding the worst and least popular team in the entire league no but it's just you know paris's philosophy um at least like based on on paper what, what we've seen is just they they don't want to spend a lot of money and um, at this point, they, they're in last place in the overall CDL standings with 20 points. New York is in 11th with 50, so they're 30 behind 11th. And then there's a tie for uh, for 8, 9, and 10 at 70. So they're 50 points behind the cutoff to make champs at this point. And if if they just continue to struggle, the season is essentially chalked. So why would they want to spend more money if there, you know, there really isn't? any chance of you know a return or anything like that and you know you you could sign a player for the rest of this season and even if they have a really good season like you know i'll just use scrappy as an example even though he's officially signed too 
uh, Toronto. So I guess we'll we'll go with Mohawk. Like if if they sign Paris signed the Mohawk for the minimum and he just absolutely pops off these last couple months of Vanguard, like there there's not even a chance that he'll be staying around on Paris next year. Another team could potentially offer him more money and then he leaves. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't agree with you that they're like I I agree that they potentially should make a move if if they're trying to go for it. But everything we've seen from Paris over the past couple of years seems to indicate that they um, don't exactly like spending money. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is just the roster they use for the rest of the year. Yeah, I don't disagree with you that like on the notion that they don't spend money because I've been told that by at least one former player that like it's not a good situation. Like, you know, it's like they are penny pinchers and that is like the just the fact of life, I guess, for Paris. And there are sports teams like that that they don't spend money. They try to keep it as low budget as possible. But usually when you have those kind of teams, you have like like these teams that are like they're going to do whatever they can to spend the least amount of money, right? Like many of those teams are actively trying to win though. They're just like trying to figure out a way to win without spending money. Like, you know, the the Cleveland Indians like don't have like they didn't have like a huge huge payroll when they went to the World Series in 2016. But like they did it like Moneyball, the whole, you know, whole the, the Oakland A's thing. Like it was about not spending a lot of money, but still getting good results. The the Paris Legion, like they're not spending money and they're not getting results. And they're like, honestly, not even trying, at least from the outside looking in. Not the players. The players are trying, obviously, like, you know, Temp and Gravity and these guys, like I'm sure they're practicing a lot. They're really frustrated by their situation. But, like, it would be nice to, like, just see the organization try to put some money into it and, like, help them out. Like, whether it's a player, maybe it's support staff, I don't know. Like, but at this point, it just, like, it seems like there are only 12 teams in the league. And one of those teams is, like, essentially tanking or, like, not caring enough to put the money into it. Like, it sports costs money like owning a sports team owning an esports team like they cost money and like 50 points even though like that's a that's a lot for paris because they've only won two matches this season like 50 points isn't really that much because you could like you win even one group play match or you know one like qualifying match and then one uh losers bracket match that's 20 points you're probably only 30, 40 points back now. Like, keep pushing. Like, you might eventually catch up to these guys. I I just get really frustrated by, like, the idea that, like, we have a team in the league, a very exclusive league where we're not getting expansion, and, like, one of those teams is just like, all right, like, it's over, guys. Let's just pack it up. I, I will say, like, we can't disregard the fact that they did make two changes this year by bringing in gravity and Jimbo. Yeah. Like that there's a world in the past where Paris doesn't even make those changes. And we still have the squad of temp, John Decimate and fellow running out there for the major three um, qualifiers. So as much as we're talking about Paris, not wanting to spend money and all that, like they, they have at least made some moves this year to try and improve. It's just the, the roster they initially 
signed and the moves they've made to try and remedy the, the roster they originally signed struggled. They've made some moves to try to remedy that and they still are struggling. So it, it's not for a lack of total effort. They're, they are making some moves to um, try and fix things. And, you know, not even less than a couple of months ago, the narrative narrative around gravity was that he's a super good main AR player who has never gotten a chance to prove it on the big stage. And Paris is the team that's giving him in that opportunity. And I, I don't think the same narrative is there around Jimbo, but he's still like a, a talked about uh, some machine gun player in the challengers scene and, and Paris is giving him a shot too. So, um, I think it's as much as we're kind of, you know, talking trash about Paris as an organization, like it's definitely worth noting in my eyes, at least that uh, they, they are trying in some capacity. It's just, you know, how many times do they have, like if they, if they bring on another player, that's the third roster change they would have made this year. And has any team made two roster changes, like permanent changes? I don't know if any other team has actually made Actually, New York has, yeah, but that so New York would have. New York has signed. Technically, they've signed three players. Actually, royalty, royalty, Paul X, and Kismet. Yeah. So I guess Paris hasn't signed the most players technically, but still, like, um, it's certainly worth mentioning in my eyes, at least that, um, regardless of uh, a lack of results, Paris is trying in some capacity. And I appreciate that they they did put the effort forth to make that roster change and bring in uh, Gravity and Jimbo. But, like, that's what I expect of these teams, right? Because, like, if you don't get results in, say, a month or maybe a month and a half, make a roster change. See if there's something else that you could be doing to get better results. If that roster change doesn't work out, all right, make another one in a month and a half, two months. Like, let's see what happens. But we're, whatever, like more than three months into the season. They made two roster changes. I, I mean, it, 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 they've, they've overhauled half of their roster. And it maybe it is just like they're not going to get these players. But I also think that part of the reason that they don't get these players is because, like, not a lot of players are going to play for them. Like, because... There is the the narrative, and I think it's a a truthful one that they're not gonna spend more than like than they need to. You know, like they're gonna like I think that the salary stuff with the CDL is kind of out of control for some of these teams, like reportedly. But I I don't think Paris is buying into that, which is fine. But like they also have to keep making these moves just to like keep their challengers players. And I think like honestly the the best way for Paris to come out of like you know the CDL and make at least a little bit of money because I don't see how they make money like at all is like all right we're gonna put out like this really good roster or at least at least one or two good players and then we're gonna sell these players like we're gonna let these other teams like buy them out kind of what Florida did with um with Neptune last year like reportedly like he got bought out for like a a pretty good amount and New York did that. It didn't work out for New York, but Florida got some money, you know, reportedly in uh, in that trade. So, like, uh, I think that that's the way for Paris to go forward is to just, like, 
focus on developing players as best as they can and then like spinning them off into like New York or to London or whatever. Like I think that's really the the best way forward if they're not like a hundred percent in on like spending to win, maybe spending to develop and then make some money off of like, you know, whoever they develop. I mean, you could say like right now, like what their current place in the standings, the the best move they could make is to try and trade temp somewhere. Yeah. Um. Then then it comes down to the argument of what team would actually be willing to pay for temp and what team like I mean temp has history with a lot of players. Um. But I don't know exactly what team he would be able to join right now and make them like a title contender. Um. I'm trying to think of it as like an MLB trade deadline sort of thing in my head. Um. But regardless of that, yeah. I mean that that's something. Um. Certainly that. I would do if I was in Paris's situation, but then you also get into the argument of are they actually like looking to make money short term or, you know, is it more of a long term thing? Because I'm sure um, when some teams first joined like the MLB, NBA, NFL, all that stuff in year, we're in year three of the CDL right now. I'm sure there were some small market teams in all of those leagues when they first joined, they weren't necessarily looking to uh, immediately make a profit right away it's something that you try to build um over several years decades and um i again i I don't know obviously what the plan is for paris necessarily but um that would be my mindset at least um is that you know this isn't something where um you know where regardless of reports where uh some teams might not have had to pay their you know uh whatever it is their their uh how much they owe to enter the league, their franchise mm-hmm. fee. Um, regardless of that, like the teams aren't um, esports in general. Organizations there aren't that many profitable orgs, let, let alone just franchises yeah. in one sport. So, um, this is a topic I could talk about and we could talk about for hours. But, uh, yeah, I think you know, you look at Paris right now. I guess that that would be one option for them is to you know temp is i feel like inarguably the best player on their team and yeah uh if they if they wanted to try to make a, a quick profit on him uh they could look to move him but uh end of the day i also wouldn't be surprised like i said earlier if this is the four-man Paris squad we see for the rest of vanguard yeah uh, i think we put a, a pin in it for now uh, i think we had a good discussion <laughs> about it but like you said we we could literally talk about like the the ecosystem of Call of Duty esports and like esports as a whole for hours and hours and maybe bring on a guest eventually to talk about it as well because uh I mean like you've you've been following Call of Duty esports for I don't know whatever like 10 years more definitely more than 10 years and I've been following esports for you know close to 10 I guess um so like you know we've seen a lot uh especially with COD like a lot of things have changed since I started watching even more things have changed since you started watching. So, uh, we could have talked about this a lot. Um, but let's, let's try to wrap up the show. Uh, so the standings as we see them right now for this set of qualifying matches, there's only two matches in, uh, you know, some of these teams have four uh, matches remaining. Some of the, them have three matches remaining. Uh, but at the top, we have Minnesota and Optics. So Minnesota, they go uh, 2-0 and in matches and 6-0 and in map count uh, with this new roster with Havoc in place of Major Maniac. 
Um, so uh, in in the short term, at least, it looks like a, a very good move for them at the moment. Uh, they are tied with the Optic Texas, uh, who also went 6-0 in map count with Pro Loot uh, in the starting roster in place of Illy. Uh, in a tie for third, we have Atlanta Phase and the Toronto Ultra, uh, who both only played one match. Uh, Atlanta won 3-1, Toronto won 3-2. Um, so, I mean, Toronto, maybe they're coming back, maybe. Uh, Seattle Surge, New York Subliners, Los Angeles Thieves, and London Royal Ravens are all tied for fifth at 1-1. One one. Um, I mean, that's a, a pretty good middle of the road, I think, uh, to see Seattle back in, you know, they're currently fifth. Like, that's pretty good for them. Uh, I was worried about them for a little bit. I'm not as worried anymore. Uh, I think maybe they could get through the entire season without making a roster change. Um Speaking of, like, I mean, if we're going to talk about teams that are developing young guys, like Seattle looks pretty dedicated to doing that at the moment. Um, and then uh, the winless teams so far, the bottom four, Boston Breach, Florida Mutineers, Paris Legion, and Los Angeles Gorillas. Uh, we talked about the Gorillas. They're 0-6 so far. Uh, Paris are 3-6 and 6, uh, map count, 0-2 in matches. And Boston and Florida uh, are both tied for ninth right now uh, at 0-1. So Florida, they got swept, and the Boston Breach are one and three, and uh, that is your standings uh, for the qualifying matches. Um, and then I we mean, have. Uh, you go ahead. I, I just want to rapid fire through the results because we kind of didn't actually give all yeah. the results from this past week. Uh, we touched on LADs beating London three zero, Optic beating LAG three zero, and then Atlanta beating. New York 3-1. Uh, those were the Friday matches this past week. We had London 3 2 Paris on Saturday. Toronto 3 2 Seattle. Uh, Optic 1-3-0 over Florida. And then Minnesota 1-3-0 over LAG. Uh, then on Sunday, we had Seattle 3-1 Paris, which is why I was shaking my head when you were going uh, through the Seattle stuff, like you saying, like, Seattle might be back or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah we got to hold the break on that, in my opinion, just because, you know, they won one match and it's against Paris. So, um Seattle won that 3-1. Minnesota goes uh, 3-0 over LA Thieves. So not only is Minnesota 2-0 and 6-0 map count, but those two wins in the 6-0 map count is also against both uh, Los Angeles teams. Just a fun factoid there. And then uh, New York beats Boston 3-1 in the heated sports rivalry that isn't necessarily a rivalry yet in the CDL. Yeah. Uh, the CDL point standings as uh, we have them right now. So this is for the entire season. Uh, we, you know, we talked about, um, so, you know, what I was talking about was just like these set of qualifying matches, which just have to deal with major three and how teams will be seated uh, in the overall season standings, uh, Atlanta phase, they are narrowly ahead of optic right now for first, uh, Atlanta has 190 CDL points. Optic is in second place with 185. Uh, both teams have won 16 matches, but, uh, optic has played one, uh, one less match. So, I mean, take that as you will. Um, third place, London with 140. Boston and fourth 120. Uh, gorillas are shortly behind. They are with uh, they have 115. Uh, the Los Angeles Thieves and Seattle Surge are tied for sixth place right now with 80 points. 
Minnesota and Florida and Toronto, uh, like you said earlier in the show, are in a three-way tie for eighth uh, with 70 points um, right now. Uh, but Minnesota, they played uh, one last match. Uh, same with Seattle with the tie against uh, with LIT. They've played 17 matches. LIT played uh, 18 so far. And then uh, 11th place, New York, despite um, however well they did at the Pro-Am Classic it doesn't really count. So it's, uh, it doesn't count toward, um, <laughs> you know, the, the actual points. So they're still in 11th and, um, it's going to be, you know, it's not, it's not the hardest thing because they're only 20 points uh, out of eighth right now. But I mean, it would have been nice for them if the pro classic counted toward, uh, the CDL point standings. Um, and in 12th place, the aforementioned Paris Legion, uh, 20 points, two and 13 on the season, 21 and 43 in map count so far, uh, obviously the worst of any team in the CDL. Uh, but that is your CDL point standings. Um, you know, we have a, a pretty, uh, uh, you know, good uh, schedule left uh, for this week. We have 10 matches. Uh, we're just going to kind of rapid fire through, uh, give our predictions and stuff. So uh, Friday, we have Boston versus London, Minnesota versus Toronto, and Florida versus LAG. Let's go Boston versus London. Uh, who you got there? Boston. Uh, I'm going to go with Boston as well. I'm not really believing in London right now. Uh, Minnesota versus Toronto. Who do you have? I got to go with Minnesota just because, you know, Obviously, last week went well for them. They haven't dropped a map yet. So, um, without having actually seen Toronto play recently, um, I don't know exactly what their situation is with Hardpoint still, if that's still a struggle or not. And I mean, Minnesota's also had their struggles in Hardpoint. So, um, this could be a close series, but I'll go with Minnesota just based off of recent results. I'm also going to go with Minnesota. I'm just not like totally believing in. Yeah. Uh in Toronto. So, um, although I, I believe that Toronto, they won both of their hard points against, uh, I, never mind. I was going to say they won both against strike X. Um, you know, they won both against Seattle, uh, in last week. So maybe they're back. Um, yeah, but I'm still going to go with Minnesota, uh, LAG versus Florida. I'm going with Florida. Uh, I'm not like, LAG were kind of a middle of the road team when they had gunless, even though they, they seem to be trending upward, but like he's back in the roster. I'm going to go with Florida on this one. Yep. I I think Florida probably takes this one. I'm going to pick LA, LAG just for the sake of the big P buff. Yeah. Um, Saturday, May 21st, we have four matches. Uh, the first of which Paris versus New York. Um, yeah, not, not surprising. I'm going with New York. Yep. New York next. LAT versus Seattle. Who do you have? I'm going to go with Seattle. Um, but again, I, I really don't know enough about how uh, LAT has been performing with, um, you know, despite their, their results at the program classic, they, they had kind of a, uh, a back and I don't want to say back and forth, but you know, they had the three Oh win over London in the most yeah. recent qualifier. And then they lose three Oh to Minnesota. So, um, that kind of seems like a little shows a little bit of inconsistency. So I think this is an opportunity for Seattle to get a win. But I do remember um, when Seattle was going on their losing streak in I think like this major two qualifiers. Maybe um, I, so. I said something similar where I was hoping that Seattle could turn things around against LA Thieves when they were struggling, and then LA Thieves got a win. But it might it must not have been in the qualifiers because LA Thieves went zero and five. 
So I don't know what I'm thinking of. But regardless, I think this is another matchup where previously I predicted Seattle to beat LA Thieves and that didn't happen. So uh, I will repeat history and probably be wrong, but I'll go with Seattle. Uh, I'm going to go with LAT. I'm on the fence about it, but yeah. uh, I don't think either of them are particularly strong, but, you know, got to go with someone. Minnesota versus Florida. I'm going to go with Florida. I'm I'm back all on the Mutineers train despite 3-0 <laughs> this week. So uh, I'm going with Florida for this one. I got Minnesota. Uh, last match of Saturday, Boston versus Atlanta. Definitely just going to Atlanta. Yes, sir. Sunday, May twenty uh, second. We have three matches: Paris versus LAG. I'm not going to pick the upset. LAG. Yep. Optic versus Atlanta. Uh, we have the biggest um, match that possibly could happen. Uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta. Optic. Uh, you know they have a sub right now. It's kind of hard to pick against Atlanta in that case. I'm going with Atlanta too, but it's certainly worth mentioning. You know we did just see at the program classic Optic beat the phase with general in the lineup. And yeah. obviously we saw in the first major optic beat Atlanta with um, their regular roster with Ellie. So they pretend if optic wins this match, this would be the third different roster that um, optic has beat Atlanta with this year, which would be kind of a cool fact, but uh, I, w- I will go with Atlanta. And the final match of the week is the, the New York subliners versus the Toronto ultra I'm going to go with Toronto in this. Um, I think I'm not like completely sold on New York just being like one of the top teams right now, like despite their pro classic stuff. Like I, I think that Toronto as a team probably is just going to gel a little bit better. So I'm going to go with the ultra. Yeah, I'm going to go with New York. And that does it uh, for our predictions for this week. Um, we didn't do predictions for Pro-Am or Week 1, so uh, the prediction scores stay the same. You are at 54-42. and 42. I'm at 53-43. Um, and uh, that about does it for the show. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure to subscribe or like or uh, do whatever uh, on those feeds. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, whatever. Uh, five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Ego Chow Podcast. Uh, he's at JBank with two Ks. I'm at Prez Buyers. The next show likely will be uh, May 24th, maybe May 25th. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, it depends on how many dingers Bing, uh, Bink hits at softball and uh, how quickly they can mercy rule uh this next team uh but um that does it for me and take it away bank yep uh thank you guys as always for tuning in i know this was a little bit of a different show um just due to circumstances with you know me in particular not being able to watch the most uh recent set of matches and that stuff so sorry for a lack of like any quote-unquote in-depth analysis or anything like that but hopefully uh after this weekend and the following show after that we'll have some more insightful insight for you guys um but yeah thank you as always for tuning in uh kind of like preston said my softball season just started and i don't know the full schedule because the website that used to have our softball schedule got deleted so uh, i'm kind of going off on like a week by week text thing with our coach and uh i don't know the exact schedule for next week yet so uh, best way to know when our next show will be is to follow us or the podcast twitter uh and we will keep you updated and hopefully Uh, We'll have a good show for you next time you tune in. So, yeah, as always, remember to send the chow.